Hi everybody and welcome to the sixth episode of Digital Business Disruptors brought to you by Digital Savages. Today we're going to focus on Industry 4.0 for businesses. In the conversation with three professionals from the field, we're going to demystify Industry 4.0 and distinguish hype from reality. Welcome everybody to the sixth episode of Digital Business Structure, this time focusing on Industry 4.0 for business. And before we dive into the depth of the topic, just a quick introduction from my side. My name is Ami Sabirovic. I'm a managing director of Ivy Connect Netherlands, and I'm only going to be your host today. These three gentlemen are going to answer your questions. Of course, we're going to debate everything about industry 4.0 and how you can drive value for your business. So now that we have cleared me, uh, I would like uh, our guests to introduce themselves. So starting with Rajan and then Arvin and Mark, uh, you can finish up. So Rajan, the floor is yours. Okay, I'm uh, Rajan Sermangal. I am head of future automation at uh, Sinus uh, Netherlands. And I'm worked, already worked for this company for more than 34 years. So I'm not connected to any uh, uh, software deliverable or, or, or manufacturers. I'm just an uh, independent um, consultant and I'll advise my company, my customers in their digitization, well, endeavor, you might say. Um, and I'm doing this for maybe over 12 years right now. So, okay, my name is Mark from Voxel. I work for T-Systems. I'm a digital consultant. Originally, I'm actually a mechanical engineer in um, mechatronics a long time ago. First mechanics and then mechatronics, of course, and then in control technique. I worked for four years in nanotechnology and then I decided to switch to software. Uh, Everything that has to do with uh, PDM, PLM software, but also ERP, like uh, Oracle, SAP. I worked for Siemens. Actually, Regin and I were colleagues uh, 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 some time ago. Um, <laughs> I would like to bring, I also would li- I always would like to bring business and IT together. Uh, so I'm always in the middle of business and, uh, and IT. Uh, and Industry 4.0 is actually uh, a passion. So I'm, uh, in manufa- I'm active in manufacturing for the last 20 years. Thank you all for, uh, for the brief introduction. Just for our attendees, if you have any questions, uh, drop them in the chat and we will discuss them during the conversation. So we make this session interactive. So before we kick in with the questions, let me just first introduce uh, what we're going to talk about. So Industry 4.0 has been with us for 10, a decade right now, and it is coined by Germans to advance their competitiveness in the manufacturing industry. And when we talk about Industry 4.0, we're talking about manufacturing technologies, uh, exchanging data, Internet of Things, big data, analytics, AI, cloud, 5G, So actually all the hype technologies are kind of pushed into this term, but do manufacturing companies really understand the benefits for their business and their plants? And what value does the implementation bring to their products, processes, and supply chain? And to kick off this um, debate, we have five predictions uh, for smart factories in 2021. One is ITOT integration, which will be needed to turn sensor data into contextual rich insights. Data processing will be hyper-localized through edge computing. Digital twins will save costs, solve challenges in the digital world first. AR, augmented reality, will get the boost from pandemic condition. And staff training will need to keep pace with accelerating automation. So guys, what do you see as the most important trend here? 
given the decade of developments and where we are right now? I would. If you ask me, uh, Amir, and I look at it, and you see what we are now talking on on today is more the IT OT integration because without the IT OT integration, you can go further. You must do it step by step. And so first, that's the most important first thing to do. Well, it's it's a it's a it's a challenging question actually. Which one is the most important? And the, I agree with uh, Rajan that ITOT, of course, is important. But at the moment, we are we are we are dealing with COVID actually. So what what do we see? That actually that uh, supply chain optimization is a is is a real hot hot topic. So if you look at what my I, I I'll try to keep it close to myself and to my children. They order everything from Ball, Amazon, etc. So uh, what they think is that they want to have a very flexible product and they want to have it uh, next day delivered and they want it customized to their needs and it must be cheap, etc. And and I agree with Rajan, ITOT is part of that to uh, to enable that actually. That's what it is, it's an enabler. Yeah. yeah. But do you feel, I mean, we encounter this problems all the time to the uh, companies. Uh, so uh, technology just solves a certain problem. But when you look at actually integrated view of business, like through the whole supply chain, you come to the issues of integration. Mark and I have spoken about this uh, a zillion times. And you look at the industries, I mean, having uniformization on application level, on data level, and being being able to view something doesn't matter that your uh, factories are all around the world, but you can actually have the real-time monitoring and assessing what is going on throughout the whole supply chain. Uh, that's important, but still the organizations are far, far from that, right? So there yeah. is a still, uh, I think, a very big gap between what the media says Industry 4.0 is and what the reality is from all these nice implementation of hyped technologies. So where do you think, since we, we were in 2011, it was coined, now it's 221, uh, 2021. Um, where do we stand? How far is it adopted, these all these technologies to improve uh, industries? <laughs> Small reaction on that, Amir, is this way, because I'm looking at it with the eyes of an industry. If you look now, what uh, Mark said about the supply chain is very important. If you look at, at the factory, he is not depending on one supplier. He, he gets his machine from supplier A to supplier C. Till now, on today, we don't have one standard protocol that said, okay, plug and play, we can do a connection between supplier A and supplier B, and we have the connection. For the factory owner, it's a crime that he always must pay the expensive engineer to say, make a connection between supplier A and supplier B for me. And that costs a lot of money. So first, if you want to do industry .4.0, please make one standard protocol, because now if you look to supplier, one is choosing Ethercat, the other Ethernet IP, the other TCP IP. And without that, we will, Going to the next step. I I agree. You were laughing, Mark. <laughs> yeah, well, there are there are <laughs> because because uh, actually I agree with Rajan, but uh, uh, of course there are actually if you look at Industry 4.0, eh, what we're talking about, there is something about this smart factory, uh, and within smart factory you have operational excellence, uh, predictive maintenance, etc., and then ITOT is very important. You have the the the, the quality yeah, to uh, to measure quality to reduce waste etc. And then there's also supply chain. And uh, what I 
what I what, what I started with was of course was to focus on supply chain. And Rajan is right because it's about data transparency. And the data transparency is actually it's a big problem. So the question is where to start. Uh, what you said, I, I see a lot of companies actually struggling where to start because they uh, what they do is they start in the corner of the factory and then they say, uh, okay, we have this machine and we start uh, putting some sensors on it and then there's, uh, we have predictive maintenance. Um, and then the, then the plant owner or the IT manager has a big problem because he has another sensor there uh, and then this machine is connected and then and another machine or another plant actually to have a completely other operational technology, it's not standardized at all. And and uh, this is why I see a lot of uh, initiatives in the corner of the factory, but it's very difficult to scale this or to implement it in a whole factory. Anyway, and we're not living in a green field, we're living in a brown field. And that's really, really, really challenging that, that uh, our customers say, okay, where, where to start? So we, we always try to start small, but then uh, uh, after that, of course, you have to you have to scale. And the, and, the, and the question is how to get all this data on one level that you can steer the whole factory. And in the, is, this a, <laughs> is this a question? I mean, this is um, integration strategy, actually. So you have your company strategy, but when you look at it, they have zillions of uh, or thousands of interfaces. They have a broad landscape of applications. Then beneath it, you have... The, the 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 supply chain where people are offering their data but you're also offering it to the end customer so there is tremendous amount of data and actually it's not at one place if i understand you correctly and you're adding more data points to it and more complexity to the it side as well yeah. and this is one side of the of the metal of course because this is we are focusing now on the production and i know erwin also a longer time and he says okay well you have to make your product ready for industry 4.0 and and, uh, What's that? and what does uh, that, that mean yeah erwin can you elaborate on that <laughs> because elaborate. that's interesting as well yeah. <laughs> do you have a minute uh well um i think we should not see this whole smart industry thing in a ICT kind of perspective. Um, I think what we're missing here is what will be the benefits of our um, of the companies adopting smart industry. The main question is why would they adopt smart industry? Do they really uh, sense and and know and see the benefits that that can have for them? And since all their competitor competitors are doing well, in their, their, their business processes on the same way, uh, we're missing the incentive to change. Yes, I agree with you all that uh, IT and OT integration should be all well standardized and, and far more advanced than it is right now. And did we make progress in the, in the, in the last 10 years? Well, a bit, but not enough. Where, and I think uh, when things go very rapidly, things really improve very rapidly is when there will be a market disruption. If you are a, a, a manufacturer of, say, some part, and your competitor, one of these competitors uh, is adopting smart industry and is able to give you, um, to deliver their customers a product that is far more advanced, far more uh, um, better in quality, uh, faster, uh, more customized, and I mean, not a bit, but far better, then this is an incentive to uh, for change for, uh, um, well, the other companies that are delivering in the same market. The, the industrial revolution, the way I see it, is that who's going to be first? And are the others able to keep up 
with uh, that trend when this when this incentive has started when one of the competitors is far more better than the other ones then then this will then this will yeah, give you, a, want, you you do not want to be the next blockbuster video actually right? you don't, yeah, so, so this, if, yeah you don't so if uh, i understand you correctly is the law of the first mover right so somebody has to raise the bar on yes. the products and then the others to be able to compete, they will have to change or improve their business processes and production processes. Otherwise, they will be left behind. That's the one. And the problem is with this next step, with this fourth industrial revolution, this gap is this big that you cannot, if you don't start now, you will never be able to uh, to close that gap with your competitors. My prediction is that a lot will fail and a lot new, a lot of new startups uh, will become potentially very much, very fast, bigger and better. And actually it is probably faster to do it in a startup, to initiate this whole uh, smart industry philosophy in a greenfield, just like Mark said, we're not in a greenfield, we're in a brown zone, in a, in a brownfield, if you will. And I think in the next period, this will happen. But this, uh, happen. this is a very interesting one. And this is what we're, uh, sorry, Rajan, just, just to connect to what was er- Erwin was saying. So we also have a, a question from Frank. Thank you, Frank. Uh, what about the circular economy where one needs to keep track of all parts of products produced all over the world. So uh, as, a, as a consumer, whether you're in B2B or B2C, we want to know uh, the origin of the products or parts that we're buying. And we want to know through which hands they passed, what the whole composition is. So we have the product traceability through the whole supply chain. So that is also driving the force for advancement because if you haven't done this and you haven't started thinking about this, then you're already lacking behind. Yeah. I agree with that. And and yeah. the problem is a lot of my customers do not see that they are lacking behind. They're, uh, they're I mean, they're still making a profit. It's not that much still, but they're still making a profit. They're still going to sell their products. Where is this incentive? And um, like I said, if there is just one disruptor in this market who's going to do it radically better, faster, more customized, um, then this will give an, uh, an incentive for change. And otherwise... The big, the biggest problem what uh, you describe here, uh, Erwin, is this: because if you look, go to the customers and talk about them, they are agree fully agree with you. Here but then the golden question will come: what will it cost? And when you say, okay, if you want to cost, this is the cost, and uh, the benefit you will earn in three or five years, then they stop with investing and they say, no, we are doing good, and uh, we will see. But yeah. the, and then for your point three. Uh, I mean, you asked also in one of the questions was Digital Twin. If you look what it will bring you, because I work with Digital Twin, we have make a lot of uh, demos with Digital Twin, and I know how many money and time you can save with it. Yeah, but so they have to be, they they are only uh, incentivized if their business model is failing. So as as long as they're earning money on the existing (laughs) business model, they don't have any urge to change. Okay, no. this is interesting. Now it's in, now it's interesting <laughs> because <laughs> because you can connect a few dots now because what Erwin said or, or the, the question was about the circular economy and Erwin said something about business models and you said something about tracking and traceability. Yeah, if I if I am, am a normal producer of washing machines 
and I and I produce this and I try to make these as cheap as possible. I don't have to. I, I should not make them too good, because if if, they, if if I do that, they will last for thirty years. That's actually uh, uh, my, my my grandfather's time. Everything lasts very 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 long, and then we found out. Well, if we do this, we don't make enough money. So what do we do? Uh, we make washing machines, but we'll make sure that they will they will uh, break after nine uh, nine years or something. Yeah? And I buy new ones, and I'll, I'll, I'll buy new parts. Of course, you can track and trace all the parts that come from that, and then you can say, okay, well, I want to get the machine back, and I want to have a circular economy, etc. But what if we change the business model? Then suddenly the discussion becomes completely different because now I'm not going to sell washing machines, but I'm going to sell washing capacity, and uh, uh, and and uh, uh, so it's a washing machine as a service. It costs me uh, three euro per wash eh? for for the time that I uh, that I use it, and then. The incentive for me to build that washing machine is not that it breaks after nine years. Now, for me, it's better if it breaks after 100 years. Eh? So I want it to last as long as possible. Of course, it has to be <laughs> within limits, eh? technical limits. And I want to Upgradable. make it serviceable, upgradable. Exactly. And then, uh, and I don't do this because it's good for the uh, for the circularity or for the environment, but it will be good for the environment. But instead of uh, instead of throwing everything away, now we are the circularity becomes part of the business model, and this is going to happen. Mark, so what you're saying actually is that Industry 4.0 is not about the technology on its own, but when you join these three insights that you guys just said, it's actually leveraging technology to create new business models that are future resistant. Exactly. But before we are there, then we are talking about all the low hanging fruits, which is ITOT integration, et cetera, because that's that's uh, uh, important uh, to steer the factory, et cetera. Now we have automation, or now we have industry 3.0 everywhere. We have automation and we have PLCs and we can do simulation. I worked for Simmons and they have great products to do this, but now we want to, uh, uh, to give all the people in the factory iPads and information, et cetera. So we have to get all the information out and then it's ITOT integration because you want to do something with all these analytics and, uh, uh, to steer the factory better. And then you're talking about IoT, blockchain, machine learning, thinking, feeling, sensing. But guys, isn't isn't this a bit of a challenge? So I understand if you want to change and have new business models, that means that you have to be aware. So you're thinking about smart machines or whatever you're delivering. You want to monitor them all the time. So you, you just showed that stamper uh, where you pay per use, actually, uh, just behind mm-hmm. you, Mark. Um, yeah. But for that, yeah. you, you you have to have your process on the backside data ready. Ingest data from those machines, be able to say, hey, it was used for X, Y, Z, and for this amount of time, so it is built then. But this is when you're renting a certain capacity. But what about the current industries of manufacturing? I don't know, that people... Or, or companies that are producing glass jars or uh, machines, or how advanced are they really? From my perspective, it's not that far. <laughs> <laughs> but we're 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 one of the top innovative countries in the world. So if you say that the innovation on Industry 4.0 here in the Netherlands is lacking behind, I'm kind of worried about the rest of the world. Oh, 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 let me, let, let me, oh, let me, let me, let me on that. Um, there is coming a new generation and I have high hopes. 
because uh, like Mark already said, um, his children, they want it fast. They don't want to pay. They want to have it now. They want to have it quality up top. And this, this new generation, uh, what I see on my children also, uh, they do not learn. They, uh, they learn how to look for, uh, for, for intelligence. So they have a complete different perspective on, on, on living as what we are. I mean, Mark and I are almost on the same age, and, and I mean, are you fifty? <laughs> I'm still watching the uh, yeah. <laughs> watching television. My guys just uh, just look uh, on YouTube, and they are faster. They are more demanding. They are more aggressive on 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 suppliers. Uh, they have a complete other perspective um this generation is gonna have this incentive this will induce this uh this 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 uh, uh yeah. um, i'm very sure about that and they and they are very playful with these kind of uh, solutions uh oh. my children they do not understand that i order a car on the internet a new one and i said okay when is it coming i said well it takes eight weeks why <laughs> why why do you need eight weeks to produce or to bring a car to my home it can drive it's very easy or another day i was sitting with my son and he just uh, uh, on the table of course his phone is next to him and he said oh something happening in the city center so how do you know that he has a sort of instagram heat map on his phone so he gets all this data and it's very easy for him to use and he said okay well there's something going on there so what is it, it was a silent disco it was pre-corona of course <laughs> but he uh, but he, ins- he saw it on his phone it's, it's uh it's very interesting to see this if i didn't have these children they wouldn't would not keep me that that awake actually it's very important to talk to the young generation okay but, okay, but this is uh, you have right about that man because if you look nowadays and you look at the industry three dot zero while we were, were there and we are starting now with uh, 4.0 yeah and as always the industry electronics went ahead if you look now the last 10 years is the consumer electronics who is ahead so those children will be for us is also our trigger hey you must do something because they are going faster than we so for 4.0 yeah. must also look at the consumer electronics how they are doing it there I agree. And, and I agree. <clears throat> guys, so that is that is like a future state because we're still a bit stuck in the 3.0. So we haven't touched the 4.0. And given your background, the nature of your business, how do you guys deliver business value? Good question. What <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we help our our customers in how do you call it collecting all this data to to really give them insight i mean p systems is a consultancy system integratable we are also a connectivity partner of course so we collect all the data from supply chain we collect the data from the machines actually with the same as uh, siemens is doing as well of course maybe we cannot change their business model now and we, we can inspire them maybe that business model change is possible But I think we uh, uh, we can help at least our customers by producing flexible. So you can look at smaller business cases, experiments with predictive maintenance, or uh, experiments with autonomous logistics, or flexible manufacturing, eh? or maybe with drones to do inventory analysis. That already sounds very advanced. But this is what we do to make it 
practical, actually, because otherwise we are in a, 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 we, we can paint the vision. I worked for all the software companies. We can paint the vision that is very nice, uh, but it's, it should be uh, applicable to, uh, to our customers. And they want to have it small. They want to have small, agile experiments, playfulness. What my children uh, uh, think is important, actually, we all think that's important because if I give you some uh, some Lego, you start playing with it, and I, I give you some Lego blocks, but then for industry for the low, you also start playing with it because we're all technic- technical, uh, <laughs> technically, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, we have a passion for uh, for this kind of things. Passionately curious. Mm. Passionately curious. That's it. Yeah. And, and uh, is it hard? Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. What what kind of value do you deliver to your customer as a consultancy firm? I don't know. They just just recently I was thinking you need to have you need to be able to accelerate. I mean, I can see this coming. This 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 gap of uh for my customers how to close this gap when this disruptor comes in his uh in his uh in his market. Then they all have a very huge problem. They see it and they don't know how to close that gap. And uh, I'm just currently uh, just thinking of how to become a, uh, a, a, a well, placeholder. How can I help my customers in accelerating uh, this transformation? Uh, uh, making their products ready for smart industry, um, meaning uh, using a different supply chain, using more lean uh, techniques like in production and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, they cannot do that on their own. They need to run their businesses. And I was just I was just thinking, maybe it's a good idea just to help them just to take it all off their hands, make it ready and put it back in and then give them all the toys already uh, filled with their content. Maybe that's that's an idea where I'm just thinking of. Because now in the last 12 or more years, I just stood there and, and gave advice, just also as passionate as I am uh, with, with, with all, well, I think good advice, but wait, that's the customer that may, uh, may judge about that. But uh, it's still advice. You're still looking at a game being played and you're just maybe coach or something. I don't know. Um, and now I think maybe we should. What do you do mean, something. Aaron? Do you want to do you want to redesign the products of our customers? Yeah, that's what I want to do. That's very challenging. I know. <laughs> that's very, I know. Because then you have to be an engineer in product design. I don't. I don't say I want to do this on my own. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, okay. Is there is there a we we, we have a we, we have a good addition to that? Edwin uh, uh, just asked his question: Which industry segment is really gaining momentum at this stage? So Rajan just said uh, consumer electronics is a very good example. Can we learn from another industry and copy paste that to well all the companies that you just mentioned, Erwin and Mark and Rajan, that are lagging behind. Yes, we can do that. If you look at the, as uh, because I'm also involved in the agriculture, and if you look at the agriculture world, if you look 10 years ago, when they were building tomatoes, one, one kilo of tomato needs nine liter of water. And what was happening with the water, it was gone. Now, if you look what they are doing now, they said, okay, that water we will do it because all the ingredients what is in the water, we will measure it and we have to put less ingredients in it and reuse that water. So nowadays, if you want to do it for one kilo of tomato, you only need four liters of water. That's a good example of how, how the host do co- colleagues of the agriculture is doing it. And now we are busy with the case, we call it smart tomato. 
to go a step further about that. But if there is a chip inside Rajan, you don't eat it because then they then they, the elite can they can control so, you. you know, right? we can build a digital twin that we can see how it grows and if, if he needs water, how many water he needs, how many light he needs, and. In, instead of we use no, normal light, we use LED nice because with LED uh, exactly. uh, lights, you can also have an influence on the taste of the tomato. Yeah, with a different yeah, spectrum. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so yeah, guys, but that's, nice. Giving... that's a nice one. That's a nice. One. That's. A, can I add something? I mean, I was with a with yeah. a with a company that's because I, I like these kind of discussions because I got inspired actually by the companies I talked to. So, if you look, if you think about artificial intelligence, then. Eh? In order to 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 breed a new flower, actually, uh, they need uh, I don't know uh, seven years or six years because it's selecting, and then they have a new color, etc., new leaves. And with artificial intelligence and a vision system, yeah, they cannot. They, you you do not depend on uh, on uh, on the people anymore, but you can train an algorithm actually to make the best choices, so they can cut this uh, this development time in half and this is also uh, and then again in half and this is also what we are asking now because the the, 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 the time to market is getting shorter the product cycle is actually getting shorter uh, and that's also one of the trends that I see and and again with my children tired of uh, of something uh, very fast and they want something new so that, that, that's that's what I like about your example uh, so is it hard to make a conclusive business case? Because I have a feeling what you guys just uh, were uh, elaborating on is that actually a customer says, well, that advanced technology, whatever, whichever it is that will improve my industry, give me a conclusive business case that I have my return on investment, and then we can do it. Is it is it hard from your perspective to, to build such a business case? No, no, yeah. no, because... If you understand the customer right, what he, he wants, then you can make a business case of it. Because okay, no, it's not. The, <laughs> give me some me. juicy details. No, it's not enough. Uh, I agree. I agree. Well, it is. Um, I did do the the number crunching on on return on investments, and I made that very complex and even more complex till the level I thought well. It's all based on assumptions and assumptions and assumptions. And if one of these assumptions is wrong, the whole business case goes down the drain. Um, so this is this is this doesn't this just doesn't work. And just recently, I, I spoke to a guy. Said, "Well, you got to keep it more simple. How come? Well, if you would make a key performance indicator like um, a, a, a well, say a, key, a, a KPI that says how much." Did you sell? Uh, so did you sell, uh, sell uh, last year? And how much uh, uh, materials did you bought in? And um, divided by how many people that you worked with uh, during that year? And then you have an, a, a KPI uh, based on money per full-time equivalent. Okay, let's take that as a as a as a a, a starter marker. And then let's talk about uh, what is the incentive of your business and that's obviously making some more profit and growing your business so you need to uh, to look at added value uh, how do you increase added value and all these this this hype of uh, uh, industry 4.0 things 
you should bring it down to how do they add value or add more value to your uh, business case. And um, I think you can do that when you are able, still able to uh, um, build customized end products based on kind of Lego-like uh, uh, basic components. Um, from from a, uh, a design for manufacturing and assembly point of view, from Boothroyd and Dewhurst, they, they, they had this, this great philosophy of design efficiency, and they say, well, if you will be able to design uh, a limited number of parts from which you can make an inevitable, an, an, uh, an, an, well, an enormous different customizable uh, end products, then you would be able to make a a different supply chain to make the to 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 lose the 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 the, um, uh, uh, the amount of stock in your supply chain, make it more leaner, and then you would be able to increase the added value. So if you would do a prediction on that and well over the 12 years that i'm doing this now there is a gap of there is an, a potential increase of say 15 to 30 percent if you would do that then you would be able to say after the program you have a, a new uh, a calculation done exactly based on a same cutoff rate and then you would be able to see what was gained and that you need to do in a retro, retro perspective uh, uh, kind of uh, way of, of calculating. And can you also pay in retro perspective then? <laughs> this, is, this is the problem. Yes, this exactly. Problem. <laughs> no, you well, you're can. right. No, you can't. No. You never can. This so, is also... so in your experience, and, and this is also uh, uh, one of the questions from uh, from the attendees. So how do you, if, if you're working with uh, in, in the industry and you want to convert an idea into a business model, so how do you assess it's uh, going to deliver value? Did, using the method that you just explained, Erwin? Um, I would I would do that. Uh, however, uh, this is the beauty of it. If you have uh, an idea, you first have to look for uh, the market. Is there a market? Yes or no? Can you can you sell your idea? Is there can your new can your new product is your new product um, can it be adopted by customers? Will they buy? Um, what are they willing to pay for it? I mean, we are on the verge of a next generation of. Um, uh, no, well, it's not Google glasses, but the Apple glasses with, with augmented reality. And uh, now we're, we're looking on our smartphones and we're still reading text and stuff like that. And the next is uh, we're seeing this into a some sort of glasses. And I think this is a next disruptor uh, in, uh, in our industry. Uh, and, and well, it's not from, from, from an Apple point of view, they've invested well, literally millions in this uh, to to get that on uh, to get that in a reasonable price range, purely on the belief that customers will buy that. I think they're right, um, but the, uh, uh, that's where it starts. But that's a, that's um, that's that's nice because it's nice technology, I think. If you yeah. um, if you uh, and and I I also like technology, so I say okay, well, just buy one of those glasses because it's nice Absolutely. to work with. <laughs> but the reason the reason why we are doing is is the business case, and what I see is that we have an aging workforce. It's difficult to get all these people to to support it. So 
what if you have the Siemens uh, solutions for electronic work instructions and you push this to, uh, to a worker that is uh, standing next to the machine, uh, scans uh, a plate and then gets the uh, the electronic work instruction as a sort of augmented reality view oh, yeah. uh, in front of him, that wow. works. Yeah, it works. I agree. Eh? That works. And it, because Erwin, it works. And the practice show it at least. Look, we have now the Corona. And we talk of one of our biggest customers in the re region of Eindhoven. Mm. He can, when he sells a machine to America, Korea, uh, Taiwan, there was always 20 to 30 engineers who was traveling with the machine. Now, of, of Corona, they are not able to come. They are doing everything for the machine. What has taken six months in the past, they are doing now with augmented reality in three months. So the benefit they make this year, they said they have made three and, three and a half uh, billion of uh, euro. It's not only that they are very good, that is a lot of travel costs that they had and uh, yeah. they spent on it. So, so, so the, the, uh, think... Rajan, uh, that, uh, that's a good example because now you're, you're again pointing out the necessity. So yeah. only yeah. when forced, they're yeah. able to change, otherwise not. And yeah. It, it kind of uh, reminds me of the diffusion law of innovation, right? And you have the, the innovators, the early adopters, uh, 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 late, uh, uh, early majority, late majority, and laggards. But there is crossing the chasm in between. So you were yeah. just mentioning Google Glass. Is there? Then they will look for a solution. If you look now, the question is what I'm getting from Singapore, Saudi Arabia, uh, Qatar, Abu Dhabi, Dubai. They don't want me to depend it on uh, import from other countries. When they have a lockdown, they want a total lockdown. So they want to have their own vegetables, their own fish, their own meat. But that is because it is necessary. And that is when it's also with cybersecurity. When it's necessary, then they will take action. Yeah, I agree. So that's an incentive only when. So, uh, so um, uh, you asked about the business case, Amir. I think the business case is many times is there, or you can feel the business case, or you can calculate it. But still, then. It's very difficult to start because people cannot imagine how solutions are going to work. So they say, well, I cannot imagine that this is really going to work. And then it's it's difficult. You cannot start with a $1 million project just because of, we say that it's uh, there's a business case. Um, so what we do now to really start with customers is we start with small experiments. So okay, well, we do an experiment, it's 20 days. And in, in this experiment, we will prove you that is uh, that is that is working, and we're not doing this alone. So I I, I do this in cooperation with uh, Nairo, the business university, and uh, companies like ASML, Philips, Tata, etc. Because they all have the same problem. They make different products, but they have the same problem, and they they uh, they want to uh, collaborate. So if there is the, the same problem for ASML and for Philips, I uh, I let these companies vote for the right project. And then we're going to start this experiment. For instance, for ASML, eh, uh, autonomous logistics. It's just it's it's an example. It's not it's not a real example. Eh? <laughs> and then we're going to do that. And then uh, uh, the other companies can learn from that. So we are we're also going to present this back. So we cannot do this alone. We are doing this many times in the ecosystem. So this this is uh, uh, one of our learnings. And small, so, it's not small. That was one of my next question is where should companies start? But what you're just explaining, Mark, is that actually the companies that share the problems now share also the burden of trying it out together. Yes. And yeah. Uh, and learning from that bur shared burden, I would say. So do you exactly. see this as a future of industry 
4.0 of industry in, in general, where the companies are actually, it's a necessity that they work together to solve these elemental issues or fundamental issues. Yeah, and th- that, that, is, that is our customers. And the other side is, and I learned that last week from uh, Rajan. So sorry, Rajan, that I, uh, I, uh, I tell this, but it was a very good example. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> it was yeah yeah it was I wasn't SAP no it was SAP sorry yeah <laughs> but it doesn't matter it's about the quorum principle in order to solve a problem at a customer you need a system integrator you need an automation partner you need a connectivity partner you need a consultancy firm and only when you have this all these uh, elements together then you can unlock the value for the customer so it's also not something so if you ask me okay well how do you do this We are not doing this alone at these systems because we will deliver the consultancy and we are a system integrator and we can deliver the connectivity. But for all the rest, I need Erwin because maybe the products need to be uh, uh, redesigned eh? Uh, or or, uh, we need some very smart new manufacturing techniques or I need uh, Rajan because uh, uh, we also need automation. And I also need uh, SAP because they deliver the EOP system. So it's it's ecosystems in in all all different ways. And this is I think this is the most difficult thing for customers to find the right partner uh, uh, to really start because then uh, they are not an industry expert on uh, on uh, on sensors and on software and on. Uh, uh, so I see a lot of companies that try to do this themselves. But but we can we can uh, just put out of a lot of use cases that we did uh, a lot of examples. And this is uh, sorry for making the commercials, but this is why I'm in the innovation center. We can really show it here. And I know Siemens also has an innovation center. The SAP also has an innovation center. I would urgently suggest to go there and to visit it. So that yourself so, be inspired. Yeah. So this is uh, another question from Hans Horweg. Thank, thank you. Uh, so we need clusters of innovation to catalyze industry 4.0. Yes, but then the, then the question is, what do you define as a cluster of innovation? Okay, but so <laughs> we cannot it, it should be more specific. All right, uh, guys, we're closing to the end. Um, and. No, really? uh, I would, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we've been talking for over an hour uh, now yeah. with, with the fun moments. Um, but what are your final uh, thoughts when you summarize our complete uh, conversation, each one of you? What are your final thoughts for the audience? And and then, uh, guys, if you have any questions, pre- please drop him here so we can still uh, continue discussing them. One, one sentence. Can I start? <laughs> It's, yeah. uh, uh, just start experiment start fast actually and also it also means you're probably going to fail fast but you you can start small and uh, uh, let yourself be inspired and uh, in another we have this uh, this uh, book about uh, thinking out of the box omdenken uh, uh, try to think from the other from the other side or try to think as if you would like to start your company again, what would you do different? Because your competitor will do that different. The startup will. The startup will, yeah. So maybe you can start up a company within your company that will eat your own company, actually. Uh, Willem van Meen calls it uh, the cannibal. Yeah. But I, I really understand that. Yeah. I understand what I said for Star Small because if you look, we are now, and as a big company, you are a mammoth tanker. And if you are a mammoth tanker, it's very difficult to make changes. So three years ago, we had another CEO at the, at the headquarter, and he started with startups. He split the groups. And I also talked to him and said, hey, why we don't do the same here in the Netherlands? And also, I also split my group. I said, okay, that's the mainstream business, because we still must earn money 
to do the other uh, focus uh, on automation and it's the hobby club <laughs> yeah and that's the way to do it but if you want to do it with a change of the, the whole company forget it did you know um there is this this building company from Wijnen that uh, said well i've um i think i'm just going to start a complete new factory for a complete robotized uh, way of of building walls for uh, for for just uh, dwellings uh, for 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 buildings mm-hmm. and he's going to build it just like that complete out of the new completely not not with small uh, iterations not agile completely new so i would say i agree with Rajin and i agree with mark that it helps to do agile uh, field lab like uh, uh, workshop like uh, a trial and error like uh, way of improving your, uh, your your business but then again uh, i would like also to mention that that might not be the mainstream way of doing this there is also this disrupting way of doing and of course yeah this is a very big uh, building company in the netherlands uh, so you have to have some sort of money in the bank if you will to do this and and have the guts to do this uh, and believe in 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 this in this business case so yeah uh, there are more ways to do this than just one that's only my point Yeah, so so if I could summarize all of you is actually eat yourself up as a conglomerate. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first one. If you want to innovate, start over yeah. again or uh, join forces with external strategic partners and then start tackling joint problems uh, together. So bear the burden uh, together and start small and then uh, see how that affects strategically uh, throughout your whole supply chain and processes yes experiment start just just start actually yeah that's very important yeah, but i think a lot of companies already started so uh, yeah. have the courage to start okay uh, yeah jump deep okay so guys i will invite you in 10 years again and see if we got <laughs> to 3.3.1 industry 3.1 no, no. <laughs> no, exactly uh, uh, since we don't have any more questions i would like to thank you uh, also for our attendees thank you for asking questions uh, and good luck on all your endeavors and uh, i hope we can meet actually after this pandemic is over. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so do we. Eh? Yeah. So uh, maybe we can meet somewhere here. <laughs> It's very interesting. Yeah. You organize a party, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. I'm from Breda, the Netherlands. Yeah. So we already, uh, we will start a party. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank okay. you, guys. Okay. Enjoy your weekend. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you very much for listening, dear ladies and gentlemen. This was the sixth episode of Digital Business Disruptors, Industry 4.0. In the seventh episodes, we are going to focus on cybersecurity for business. On 30th of March at 4 p.m. Central European time, we're going to discuss the real business value of cybersecurity for businesses. In case you haven't registered yet, you can do so on our LinkedIn page. For now, this was Digital Business Disruptors, brought to you by Digital Savages, with your host, Amir Sabirovic. Stay safe and healthy, and until next time.